cravings are very funny things, aren't they? Right? And so I'm going to tell a story uh, on my wife. I asked her permission. She said it was okay uh, after I told it in the first service, so we're fine. Uh, She came to early church today. That's why you don't see her sitting over here. She came to early church. She's not skipping. But when she was pregnant with Hudson, our first child, um, and and if you've been pregnant or have been, uh, you know, with a pregnant woman, you know that sometimes they have strange cravings. And and so we weren't too far in the pregnancy and Paige came in uh, on a Sunday evening, no less, uh, into our living room after a very long day uh, of ministry. It was about 9.45 in the evening. And uh, she said, you know, I really want an egg roll. Okay, it's 9.45 at night. That's not too weird. But but here's the thing, In, in the thriving metropolis that is Florence, Texas, You're 30 minutes easily from any kind of Chinese food establishment, okay? Either way, it doesn't matter which way direction you go, north or south. And so I'm going, okay, I don't know if I can make it to either Georgetown or Colleen in time for a place to be open to get an egg roll. So I just went with the next best thing. And so I called the local gas station. Don't judge me. Okay, they had a restaurant inside. They serve burgers and stuff. And I I called them. I said, I know this is really strange, but um, do you happen to sell egg rolls. And they said, yes, we do. I said, do you have any? He said, yes, we have one. I said, hold it. I will be there shortly. Uh, so I hopped in the truck and drove all of the 35 seconds it took me to get to the edge of town where the gas station was. And I walked in and I said, I'm here for the egg roll. And they said, yes, here it is. And, and so, you know, I, I get the egg roll and I take it home and I save the day. Yay. That was the only time that Paige ever craved an egg roll the entire pregnancy. Okay. I went to great lengths to ensure that my wife had what she needed, but you know, The thing is, is that cravings are really funny things. And honestly, we always crave the things that we shouldn't have. Have you noticed that? Right? So some of you I know are trying to cut carbs out of your diet or go really low carb, but you know, every once in a while, bread just sounds really good. You know, or, or maybe, you know, you're saying, I, gosh, I just need to drop a few pounds. I, I'm there right now. It's just like, I need to drop a few pounds. But here we are right at Halloween and there's candy everywhere. So trying to avoid sugar. Or maybe your doctor says, you know, your blood pressure, mm, it's a little high. You probably need to cut back on the chips and salsa, right? Why is it that we always crave the things that aren't necessarily good for us? Like, why can't we crave healthy things? Well, because the bad things are so much better, right? But the same thing applies for our spiritual lives, okay? The same thing applies in our spiritual life. We really like the idea of a good and healthy spiritual diet, but the cravings of the things for this world are seemingly so much stronger. And so this morning, we find such great encouragement from the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, where he says, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be satisfied or you shall be filled. And so we're going to look at that this morning, but before we get it specifically into that verse, just as we've uh, made a habit of doing during the Beatitude series is reading through all of the Beatitudes together. And so let me invite you to stand this morning as you're able in the honor of reading God's word together is as we look at uh, all of the teachings of Jesus in the Beatitudes as he opens or introduces the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, he says this, he says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for uh, theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. 
And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the the merciful, for they shall be uh, shown mercy or receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when when others revile you and persecute you and and utter all kinds of evil against you uh, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great uh, is, is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this morning, we're just turning our attention to that fourth beatitude. Blessed are, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they shall be satisfied. Let's pray together this morning. God, would just honestly admit to you, we have unhealthy appetites. Sometimes spiritually and a lot of times uh, physically. And, and so, Father, just this morning, you're addressing what it looks like to have a healthy appetite for the things of righteousness. And God, I pray that as we are followers of Jesus, that you would just, uh, as you transform our heart, that you transform the desires of our heart. Father, we ask this morning that, that, God, we need to change the way that we're spiritually feeding ourselves. We need to start eating spiritually healthy things so that we can uh, grow and, and become strong disciples of, of Christ. That's part of becoming and developing disciples is, is spending time digesting the, the healthy things of your word so that we can learn how to live and love the way that you do. And so, Father, that means this morning we're going to have to put ourselves on a spiritual diet. We're going to have to restrict the things that are not healthy for us so that we can begin introducing the things that are healthy so that we can grow and be used for your glory. And so, Lord, this morning, uh, again, we just pray that we wouldn't just hear this word, uh, but, Lord, we would hear it and we would take it into our heart and we'd allow it to do something in us that, that transforms the way that we live, that this week we would live differently. We would change some of our spiritual habits so that we can, can go, go, grow strong as your disciples. And so uh, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will lead us in these next few moments as we consider your word together. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. And, and so when Jesus calls us here, he's talking really about the desires uh, of our life. And, and really, he calls us to desire or to hunger and thirst after something specific. And that specific thing is, is righteousness. And, and really, uh, and honestly, righteousness is the result of a pursuit of Jesus. And so if we're, going to, if we're going to desire righteousness, that means that I'm going to desire Jesus. If I'm going to pursue righteousness, that means I'm going to pursue Jesus. But I want you to notice kind of the way that we've gotten to where we are because we began this whole series teaching about humility and the necessity of humility in the life of a disciple. And so God calls us to humble ourselves before him. And, and as we do, and, and he begins to, to point some things out in our lives, right? And, and he says, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, and really what he's talking about, blessed are those who are broken over the sin in their land and, and over the sin in themselves. And so as we humble ourselves, we're, we're in a point now we can begin to see the sin in our life and the sin in our land, and it leads us to confession and repentance. And so as we are reborn in Jesus Christ, Jesus begins to remake our heart. He begins to give us a new heart. The book of Ezekiel 36, 26 says that he removes or replaces the heart of stone that we have, one that is hardened by sin, and he gives us a heart that is flesh, right? So he gives us this new heart, and this new heart is, is, is a heart of meekness. So we talked about last week, it's gentle, and it's kind, and compassionate, and, and patient. And what happens is, is, as Christ begins to remake our hearts, the way that we live life begins to change. The, the appetites 
of our life begin to change. We begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Okay, And so this means that we now hunger after a right relationship with God. That I now begin to hunger and thirst for, for actions that are righteous, that, that are in line with God's will and God's purpose for my life. And so this morning, what I want us to do, I want us to consider just very simply three questions. Three very simple questions regarding our appetite. So the first question just simply is this, for what are you hungering and thirsting? For what are you hungering and thirsting? Because your craving is defined by what you hunger and thirst after, right? Your, your craving is defined by what you hunger and thirst after. And so once you have developed an appetite for something, you begin to crave that. And that is partially due to just our habits. As, as we make a habit of things, we develop an appetite for certain uh, foods or even uh, in our life, certain behaviors. Now we begin to crave those things as a result of habit. And so this is something that we have done to our kids. Like Paige and I have done this to our children. All right. And we are not apologetic for this. One thing, there are some things we do apologize for. This is not one of them. All right. But we began to build into them this idea that if, if any kid has a performance of any kind and we go to it, so if that's a dance recital or a choir concert or a band concert or something, when that is over, then we as a family go get frozen yogurt. Okay, So like the first time it was a treat, and then the second time one of them said, hey, are we going to get Froyo tonight after the band concert? Absolutely, we are. And so now we just, they don't even have to ask. They just know that when the, the choir performance or the band performance or the orchestra performance is over, like we're getting together in the car and we're, we're heading to frozen yogurt. All right. So uh, a couple of months ago, first concert of the year for one of our kiddos, and uh, it had been a really busy week. It had been a really, really busy day. And so at the end of the concert, you know, we've got one who's driving now. And, and so we say, well, hey, you know, you could just get home on your own now that you have your own vehicle. And we just piled in the car and went home. And, and the kids that rode with us were very sad because we did not get Froyo after the choir concert. Okay. However, the one who drove, he still went and got frozen yogurt on his own. <laughs> we've trained him well, Right. But we've developed this habit in our kids that when we do this, then we get this. It's the, the same thing applies. Your appetite for things will determine the kinds of things that you feed yourself. That's true in our own life, right? The, the appetite that we have will determine the things that we feed ourselves physically, but it also speaks to uh, ourselves spiritually. And I think just honestly, you know, a lot of times uh, we'll, we'll get into like the beginning of the year is, is the time to do this. Like we want to diet. I'm like, okay, I need this year. This is the year, right? I'm going to, I'm going to lose, you know, 15, 20, 30 pounds, however much it is. But here's the thing with diet. We struggle with dieting because we see it as a restriction. We focus too much on the stuff that we can't have as opposed to the stuff that we should have or can have. We do the same thing spiritually. We, we know the things that are good for us. We know that a steady diet of God's word and prayer and fellowship with other believers and, and, and worship, we know that those things are good for us, but we're not always really good at, at, at feeding ourselves those things because, uh, you know, we, as we restrict the things in our life, the cravings for the things we can't have seems to grow. 
And, and so the, the same thing is, is true for us physically. Like we know that eating healthy things is better than eating junk food. That's why we prefer Cheetos over carrots. Hey, they're both orange and small and they both crunch, but one is way better than the other, right? We crave the junk food more than the health food. And the same thing is true in our spiritual life. We crave the spiritual junk food of, of the world. Like, let's just call it what it is. We crave sin, right? We think, well, I can't, I can't do that, right? We can't do that, nor should we. But we still crave the things that are not good for us um, instead of developing a new appetite or a new way of feeding ourselves spiritually that is gonna help us grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus, So we just continue to feed the unhealthy spiritual habits of our life instead of doing the work of of developing this new spiritual habit or this new spiritual appetite that is not only good for us, but it helps us grow in our relationship with Christ. And so one of the things that we need to do this morning is we need to identify our unhealthy cravings and replace them with healthy ones. Right? We need to identify the things that are, we're putting into our life spiritually that are not good for us, the spiritual junk food, and replace that with, the, with, with healthier options. And so, listen, we were all made with godly cravings to begin with. Right? Scripture teaches us that we, were, uh, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We were created for a relationship with God. We were created with, a, with godly cravings. But somewhere along the way, we have exchanged those. We have exchanged the godly cravings for ungodly ones. And somehow in our mind, we have just uh, manipulated truth to, to where now we, we believe that the forbidden fruit is sweeter than the word of God that scripture says is like honey, right? Psalm 119, 103 says that the word of God is like honey, but somehow we have bought into the lie that the forbidden fruit, the stuff that we know is not good for us and the things that we honestly shouldn't have is somehow sweeter than the word of God. We have exchanged the very best thing for something that actually ends up destroying us which brings to mind exactly why Jesus exhorts us to have a healthy spiritual appetite, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, after the right things, after the godly things. John Stott, I'm going to put a a quote up here by him. I've been reading his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, hungering and thirsting for righteousness is an essential characteristic of a disciple. Right, I don't know if you take notes uh, or whatnot, but this is worth writing down, okay? So hungering and thirsting for righteousness is an essential. Do you know what the word essential means? Absolutely necessary characteristic for a disciple. We cannot be a disciple of Jesus and have unhealthy spiritual habits and unhealthy spiritual appetites. We are to hunger and thirst after the things of righteousness. He continues and says this. He says, there is perhaps no greater secret of progress or growth in Christian living than healthy, hearty, spiritual appetites. And so as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, then we need to make sure that we are feasting upon things of righteousness, that we are drinking deeply into the things of righteousness. So listen, as you grow as a disciple of Jesus, your appetite is going to change. You're going to, to, to begin to, to find that the things of this world that once satisfied you no longer satisfy you. 
I was having a conversation uh, this morning just right before worship and, and somebody was asking me about, you know, am I going to put a limit on myself of how much candy I'm going to ingest tonight during First Fest? I said, yeah, it's easy. I'm gonna have one piece. Wow, that's really great. And I was like, no, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's not very good to me. I don't, I don't enjoy it like I used to, right? Because my appetites have changed. We gotta do the same thing spiritually. Is that the things that once satisfied no longer satisfied as we are walking with, with Christ. So, so think about this with me. You can go about 50 to 70 days without food. Some of you are like, I can't go 50 to 70 minutes, okay? You can go 50 to 70 days without food. You can go at max three days without water. So just follow this line of thinking with me. If we can go three days without water, 50 to 70 days without food, then why, why are we spiritually starving ourselves? So many of us suffer from a spiritual malnutrition because we are not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So I just want to share something with you just in a moment of complete vulnerability and transparency. I'm going to share with you one of my biggest pet peeves. So this is what this means. This is something that you do not say to me, okay? Because what, one of the things that really frustrates me is when people say, especially when they're leaving a church, is, well, you know, I'm just not being fed here. So my question naturally is, so how long have you been a follower of Jesus? Oh man, I've been a follower of Jesus for 15 years. I go, that's funny. My 15 year old can feed himself. And yet you, who's been a disciple of Jesus for saying 15 years, can't feed yourself. See, we've, we've got to come to the point, uh, friends, where you can't just rely upon me or some other biblical teacher to do, the one, uh, to do all of the feeding. We've got to come to the point where we develop the hunger and thirst for righteousness and we go seek after those things. Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. And all of these things will be given, will be given or added unto you. Okay? So if we're going to have healthy appetites, that means that we've got to be preparing for ourselves healthy spiritual meals. And so that just leads us into the second question. Because we all have cravings, but the question now becomes, how are your cravings pleasing to God? How are your cravings pleasing to God? To God, we have to have cravings for the right things. Jesus says these are the things of righteousness. So let's look at righteousness for just a second. There's really a couple of aspects to righteousness. One of those is a legal aspect, a legal righteousness. And what this has to do is with justification, right? With our salvation. There's a transaction that has been made that God gave his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He was buried and rose on the third day. And that through that act, he now um, ushers in grace into the world that we may have forgiveness of sin. And so upon our confession of Jesus Christ as our savior and our commitment to follow him as our master or as our teacher or as our Lord, there's a transaction that's made. I give God my sin. He gives me his forgiveness. And and, and in doing so, I am made righteous, not by my own works, but by the work of Christ. The result of that is a moral righteousness. This is where uh, righteousness is lived out, how I think and how I speak and how I act. All right, so a moral righteousness really has to do with how I conduct myself in front of others in ways that are pleasing to God. The result of that is, is then what some would call a social righteousness, or we'll talk about it in terms of justice. That because of the righteousness of Christ that is within me, that no longer can I stand for injustice. 
No longer can, can, I, can I be part of the oppressor. No longer can I be silent uh, toward the oppressed. That now I must ensure that righteousness is, is brought into the world. So here's the question we have to ask. How do I know if my cravings please God? How do I know if the things that I crave in my heart of hearts, how do I know if they please God? Really simply, this way. Righteousness pleases God. Righteousness pleases God. Righteous acts are those things that bring glory and honor to him. And so when we really think about it, craving is about pursuit. And so if I'm to crave righteousness, that means that I'm going to pursue righteousness with everything that is within me. I'm going to chase it down like a hungry lion after its prey. I'm going to desire and pursue righteousness. I love what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He's writing to, to Timothy, young pastor, young leader, you know, trying to figure out what ministry looks like. Listen to what he says. He says, so flee from youthful passions. That's how he begins verse 22. Flee from youthful passions. You know what he's really saying? Let me just condense it for you. Grow up. Grow up and pursue righteousness. So he says, exchange the pursuit and passions of your youth for godly passions and godly pursuits, which is the pursuit of righteousness. He goes on and says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so look, as disciples of Jesus, we are pursuing righteousness. This, this, there's this desire for righteousness in me. Really, here's what it really is. The desire for righteousness is the desire for Christ. The desire for righteousness is the desire for Christ. Righteousness is this gift that God gives us as his disciples as the result of our confession of our faith in Christ and his saving work. So as I desire a right relationship with God and restoration with him, I'm desiring a righteousness. Stott says later on, he says, it is not enough for us just simply to mourn over the sins of our past. And I think that's where a lot of us are. Like we continue to have shame and guilt and fear over, you know, past sins. And we continue to mourn that. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we said, blessed are those who mourn. We talked about how that mourning is a, a brokenness over the sin in our life and the sin in our land. But, but really the point that, that John Stott is making here simply is, hey, we can't continue to spend time mourning the sins of our past. He says, instead, we must hunger for future righteousness. You see, if we're, if we're still pining over or, or mourning over the sins of our past, we haven't really gotten over them. And as disciples, Christ has called us out of that life and to a new life in him. And so listen, if your heart craves and hungers and thirsts and desires for Christ and you want more and more and more of him, that means that your cravings are pleasing to him. But if your heart hungers and thirsts and desires and longs for, and I'll say this, lusts after anything other than Christ, then your cravings are not godly and you are not pursuing righteousness. So we've asked these questions like, what are you hungering and thirsting for? And are your cravings pleasing to God? There's one final question I want us to ask this morning. It just simply is this, where are you finding your satisfaction? Where are you finding your satisfaction? The word satisfied there is a really interesting word. It literally means to eat one's fill. All right, so just kind of think about, you know, a really good meal that you have. 
and you eat it and you're full and you're content and you're satisfied and you kind of push back from the table and you cross your hands on your stomach and you go, mmm, that was good. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying. In fact, the word has its root in agricultural terms. It really referred to fattening up an animal. All right? and so, so think of that, that when we pursue and, and, and thirst after, hunger after righteousness, God gives us this promise that he's going to fatten us up with righteousness. The filling here is with righteousness. So think about this. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, so we will be filled with righteousness. So we'll be satisfied with righteousness. Another way to look at that is simply this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be saturated. That every corner of my soul is filled with the righteousness of Christ. And that means that everything that comes out of my life is going to reflect the righteousness of Christ. And and so here's what happens though, is that that issues happen in our life when we begin to uh, look for satisfaction in wrong places. So just to illustrate, let's look at it this way. When we begin to look for godly satisfaction in ungodly places. I begin, I begin to search for godly fulfillment or spiritual fulfillment in ungodly things and in ungodly places. Or, or let's look at it a different way. When I begin to ask God to satisfy the ungodly desires of my soul. You see, hungering and thirsting for righteousness are what? Essential characteristics. They are necessary characteristics of a disciple. And so here's, here's what we learn. The more that you taste the sweetness of God's word, the more you hunger for it. That's why we have you, we've asked you to do the uh, Foundations 260 New Testament reading plan. It's not so we can make you read the Bible. It's so that you will begin to fall in love with scripture and, and that you will begin to have a steady diet of God's word. You want to pursue righteousness? You want to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Then spend some time with the Lord through his word and taste and see how sweet that word is, how good it is for your soul. It, we, we need to, to, to rediscover the, the sweetness of fellowship with other believers. We need, to, we need to savor the sweetness of the salvation that comes from Christ and, and desire all of these things more and more and more because God gives us a great promise. He says, the more that you desire these things, the more that I'm going to satisfy those. We, we will never mind the depths of all that God desires to give us. And so listen, as you hunger for more of God and as you hunger for more of his righteousness, he meets that need. Think about this. God satisfies our cravings for righteousness. Isn't that exactly what verse 6 says? That blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they will be satisfied. They will be filled. So God satisfies to the point of fullness and contentment our desire for righteousness. God is not going to meet or satisfy a desire that does not honor and glorify him. Did you get that? God is not going to meet or satisfy a desire that does not honor and glorify him. And so where do we find satisfaction then as disciples of Jesus? Well, I think it begins way back in in verse three. We find satisfaction in our humility. And just a simple admission that I can't be in control because I make a mess of things. 
and that I have to allow God to, to be God. So I have to humble myself before him. I find satisfaction in a heart that's transformed, uh, that no longer has a desire for sin and the things of this world, but has been changed to desire the things of Christ. I, I find satisfaction in, in this quiet confidence and gentleness that comes from following Jesus. I love what Psalm 34, 8 says. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are some of you here this morning, you need to do exactly that. You, you have tasted, tasted and seen lots of things, and they are not good. But let's go back to what Scripture says. Scripture teaches us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that God satisfies the very deepest desires of your heart. In fact, here's what God does. God satisfies the needs in your life that you don't even know that you have yet. God has already met them, and God richly provides for them. So let me encourage you this morning with just simply this. Would you taste and see that the Lord is good? Would you begin to, to maybe put yourself on a spiritual diet to, to no longer, to, to, to say no to the, to the spiritual junk food of this life and say, God, I just want to eat and drink from the truth of your word and from fellowship with you in prayer. 